0: Like I said, this is going to be a little bit different, and if you've been with us for a little while, you're like, hey, why are we reading out of Job today? Uh, aren't we supposed to be in the book of Acts? And that is true. Uh, we are supposed to be in the book of Acts. Uh, we normally step, like, I mean, just verse by verse through uh, Scripture, uh, try to exposit that, let the Word of God actually dictate where we're going. Uh, however, today is a little bit of a different day in City Church's history, and, uh, and, and honestly, this is a different day in uh, just humanity, I feel like. We're, we're living in the midst of a lot of change, and so I thought that we could go to the book of Job, and so if you want to join me there, we're actually going to start in chapter uh, 29, and so uh, guys, if you wouldn't mind hitting that uh, uh, clock in the back, just so that I can uh, make sure that we stay on track this morning, because this is going to be more of a devotional this morning. One of the things that I've realized over the last uh, few months has been that uh, it's been more difficult to answer the question, how are you doing? I don't know if you've realized that uh, like I have, but uh, I've had a little bit of trouble. Uh, How you're doing in the year 2020 is a tricky question to answer because let's say that you're having the best year of your life. Uh, Let's say that you're killing it. It's just you're doing great. Uh, even, if somebody, even if that's your experience, uh, if somebody asks you, like, hey, how's 2020 going for you, uh, not so sure that you want to go around broadcasting that because there's been a lot of heartache during the midst of 2020. And so you may be talking to a person who's lost a loved one, gotten uh, news that, uh, that uh, there's some sort of cancer in the family, they've lost their job, uh, something really uh, heavy is happening. In fact, uh, to tell you the truth, that's our experience this week at City Church, if you don't know that, if you haven't been uh, paying attention. We've had uh, uh, two deaths in families uh, that are very close. Uh, the, the, the Vissers have had a loss in their family. The Rubinsons have had a loss in their family. Um, uh, I've had a loss in my family. Uh, I was thinking about it this morning, and I was like, man, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, not quite as heavy for me because uh, it was my grandfather's brother, but uh, we just have a lot of loss. Uh, we've had um, uh, different people that have had diagnoses. We have two um, scheduled uh, heart uh, surgeries uh, this week in our body, two of them. So I just pray that you would uh, that you would be praying, uh, that you would be joining us with prayer. It's a it's a tricky year to be answering uh, that question at least honestly. And in some ways, I feel like we've made a little bit of recreation out of you know talking about 2020. We've been bad mouthing 2020. It's like man, you know, uh, 2020. It's like on everybody's uh, list of things that they're talking about. And it's because 2020 has been a, a pretty hard year. And it's not for, uh, uh, for lack of cause that we've been talking about 2020 in such a way. We have had a lot of things that have been happening. In fact, this week, uh, my wife, in the midst of grieving some of the news uh, for some of our dearest friends, um, just like looked at me and just said, I feel like the devil is just having his way. In fact, the specific word that she used was, I feel like it's just the devil's heyday. He's making hay. I mean, right now, this is like uh, he is just having his way. And without dismissing any of that, I I think that what we need is a little bit of perspective. We need perspective this year. And and we could get that from a variety of different uh, places. Let's be honest. We could go into history books and say, okay, you know, just how bad is 2020? And we could look at history and discover that actually 2020 is not making the top 10 list. If you look like way back in history, if you look just at the previous century that we just came out of, like, 2020 uh, is not so bad. We had two world wars. We had uh, hundreds of millions of people that died. I mean, if you want a historical perspective, you can find out that uh, in the midst of even all of the really difficult things that uh, we have going on, that uh, this seems to be you know, part of the human experience. But that, that's not what we're looking for. We're not looking for a historical perspective. We're also not looking for the... Uh, I, I've heard a lot of people say this. I mean, Americans just need to travel more which is true. Americans do need to travel more, need to get outside of this country. In fact, I mentioned uh, Tyler as a close friend. Tyler and his wife Bethany, we, uh, we've done some traveling together. We went to Pakistan. We've been to Sri Lanka. We've been to the UAE. We've been to Ethiopia. You know, together, we've seen some, like, just mind-blowing poverty, things that make your eyes well when you think about it. We've seen some big things, but that's not the perspective that we're looking for either. We're not looking for the kind of perspective that comes from that. What I want for us to have today is the perspective that comes from Scripture. I want for us to have a grounding, a foundation in our lives that allow for us to look at a year like 2020 and know how to process it, know how to think about it, know how to uh, have our affections stirred in the midst of it, know how to deal with the emotions that we have in the midst of it as well. And what I thought we would do is we would take one week and we would go to the book of Job. Because the book of Job deals with these kinds of things and gives us a foundation for all of that. Now, I will say this. We are not going to be uh, doing like a hyper-intensive on the book of Job. We're going to do a really high-level flyby. And so we're going to fly over a few mountaintops in Job. We're actually going to circle back around and take a look at a few things that happened before chapter 29. And then we're going to try to land in a place that allows for us to know and understand more about what we are living through and experiencing So what what Kate actually read this morning is the uh, beginning of the book of Job. It's this uh, kind of cosmic argument between Satan and God. And, And we need to kind of understand a little bit more about what's happening there, because it's kind of a strange setup to this amazing book. And what we discover is God asking Satan, hey, where have you been? And his answer back is, man, I've been walking to and fro on this earth. I've been going up and down. And you might go, well, that's a strange thing for Satan to say to God. What he's actually saying is, I've been having my way. I've been doing whatever I want. You see the pride of Satan just saying, I, I'm, I'm in control of what's going on. I'm walking to and fro. I'm going up and down. I'm causing havoc and destruction. Uh, you name a person, I, I can have them. I can go in. I can ruin their lives. I can take their souls away from your kingdom. That's the kind of control that Satan is claiming to have here. And so, in that context, we get a little bit more understanding of why God would say, "Well, have you considered my servant Job?" It's a really strange thing for God to ask. Have you considered, um, you know, going in and ruining Job's life? You kind of get the idea of like, God, what are you doing? What he's doing is he's counteracting this unbelievably prideful claim of Satan saying, I can have my way. I am in control. He's saying, if, if that's true, have you considered my faithful, righteous servant, Job? You say that you are doing whatever you want. Take a look at Job. There is a question in the midst of the book of Job, and I want you to get this and, and understand this. And that is this. We're trying to understand what is going to actually um, sustain the souls of man. This is the question. Is it God's blessing that sustains the soul of man, or is it faith? Is it God's blessing that sustains the soul, or is it faith? God takes the side. Satan takes aside. side. Satan says, well, of course, Job is remaining faithful. You've given him everything under the sky. He's wealthy, If you take all that stuff away from him, he will curse you to your face. God says, watch what I'm about to do here. That's where we pick up in chapter 29, verses 2 and 3. Let's read it. Job says this, after losing everything, after losing his spouse, after losing his children, after losing his possessions, his servants, his oxen, his fields, his health, he is sitting in the mire of total destruction, and he says this, I wonder if your soul can resonate with this in the midst of 2020. Oh, that I were in the months of old, as in the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head, and by his light i walked through darkness. Did did you hear what Job is saying here? He's saying, "Man, if only i could go back. If only i could go back to those days where i was receiving God's blessing." He says, if only I could go back to having friendship with God, being in the Almighty's presence, being surrounded by my seven children, if I could go back to my blessing, if I could go back to being known and respected in the gates of the city, if I could go back to where people listened to me. And you get this idea of, man, Job, (laughs) there's a little bit of uh, egocentrism that's kind of wrapped up in all of this. But remember, he's lost everything. And it's not just the egocentrism. It's complicated. He also wants to go back to when he was being a blessing to others. He mentions time and time again being a blessing to the widows and to the fatherless. He's saying, if only I could go back. If only 2020 just hadn't ever happened. If uh, my uh, grandfather was still here. If I still had my job. That's what Job's asking here. I want you to flip over to uh, chapter 31 real fast. We're going to be in verses 2 and 3 there as well. He doesn't just say, man, if only I could go back. He also tries to justify himself. He says, what would my portion be from God above and my heritage from the Almighty on high? Is it not calamity for the unrighteous and disaster for the works of workers of iniquity? Do you hear what he's asking here? He's not just saying, Hey, if only I could go back. He's saying, God, I don't deserve this. You've taken everything away from me, everything that I love and hold dear, and I'm not cursing you to your face, but I am justifying myself in front of you. I don't deserve this. I can justify why I don't. In fact, he goes on through the rest of this chapter to say, Hey, listen, I haven't been enticed by sexual sin, I'm no liar. I've treated my servants well. I've seen all the people that I know as being worthy, as being pinched out of the same lump of clay that I am. That was no small thing in that day. I've been generous to the poor. I haven't been violent. I don't trust in my wealth. I'm no idolater. That's what Job is saying here. If I could just go back. If I could just go back. Lord, hear me. I don't deserve any of what I am receiving what we see in the midst of these pleas is something that I think is pretty familiar to our set of circumstances. And it's not easy. I mean, in the time that we have to kind of like parse through this, let's admit this is a little complicated. Why? Because it's human. One of the things that I love about the story of Job and really just Scripture all the way through is if you read it, you understand that it approaches the complexity of the human condition almost with every single page. Because here in the book of Job, he is called a faithful and righteous man, but his actions are also easily perceived as being prideful. We see his steadfastness in that he does not curse God to his face. We see in the midst of this story that this man that has every blessing taken away from him does not curse God to his faith. He's actually faithful in the midst of all of it, but he's also focused on himself. So he's faithful, but prideful, steadfast, but egocentric. And that's when God responds to Job. This is one of my favorite chapters in Scripture. Go to chapter 38. We're going to read a few verses here. I want, you to, I want you to listen to God answer your questions in the midst of 2020. If I could only go back, I don't deserve this. Let's listen to God. Then the Lord answered Job out of a whirlwind and said, "'Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge?' Dressed for action like a man, I will question you, and you make it known to me. Job has been asking God a lot of questions. God says, prepare for war. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said thus far you shall come and no farther and here shall your proud waves be stayed? Have you commanded the morning since your days began? And cause the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked to be shaken out of it. It is changed like clay under the seal, and its features stand out like a garment. For the wicked, their light is withheld, and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea and walked in the recesses of the deep? Have, you, have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of the deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare, if you know all this, where is the way to the dwelling of the light, and where is the place of the darkness, that you may take it to its territory, and that you may discern the paths to its home? You know. You know. For you were born then, and the number of your days is great. Have you entered into the storehouses of snow, and have you seen the storehouses of hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed, and where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? Who has cleft the channel for the torrents of rain, and way for the thunderbolt? to bring rain on the land where no man is, on the desert in which there is no man, to satisfy the waste of the desolate land and to make ground sprout with grass. Do you hear what God's saying here? I mean, He goes on. I would encourage you this week in the midst of whatever, whatever year you're having to go on to read about what it is that God has done because God is the one that knows when every deer is born He's the one that knows where the behemoth is, and he's the one that can fish the Leviathan out with a hook. I don't know any of those things. I I venture to think that none of us know those things. What is it that God's saying to us in the midst of all of this? He's saying, I'm in control. I know all things. I created all things. That's what he's saying to you this morning. He's not just speaking to Job. He's speaking to us he speaks both to the pride of our hearts that think that we deserve more and also in the midst of this to our humility our humanity and what he says is i am god i'm in control my ways are higher than your ways and so are my thoughts and how does job respond to this both the prideful and the humiliated parts of Job, but how does he respond to all of this? And in chapter 42, he says, "I know that you can do all things, and that there is no purpose of yours that can be thwarted." His first words back to God are like, "I knew it. I knew that you were in control. I knew it all along. God is in control if there are prideful vestiges of your hearts, whatever piece of that that is in you, hear God say, man, prepare for battle and answer me if you know these things because I'm the one who's in control. And for those parts of you that are already humiliated, that are already low, that are already humble, hear him say, I'm in control. You don't need to worry because I've got this. That's the kind of God that Job had faith in That's the kind of God that we now thousands of years later believe in. We put our faith in. That's the kind of God. You might say this morning, I understand that God is in control, but my circumstances are just too much for me. I think that you, you would have a friend in Job, he's saying, I understand that you're in control, but my circumstances are just too much for me. And I've got to get all of these things, all of these affections, all of these questions out of me. And what you need is the same thing that Job needed. He needed a restorer. He needed a mediator. He needed uh, to take his pleas before God. And what he needed was a redeemer, you, you might think, yeah, I know that because I know Jesus. I know Jesus now. like Hey, don't get too far ahead of me. I want to show you something really cool that I had not seen. In God I've, I've read Job. Job is one of my favorite books. I'm not going to hide the ball on that. like There's a reason why we're here. Part of it's 2020. Part of it's because I love the book of Job because my prideful heart needs the book of Job. But I saw something in the book that I had never noticed before. Job has these three friends that have given him just awful advice. And then Job has said all of these foolish, he says foolish things to God. And in the midst of it, there's this young, righteous man named Elihu that that didn't speak up for chapters and chapters. You didn't even know that he was there. He was like standing on the edge of the room. He was like, I got to let all of these like older men get everything out because what they're saying is foolish. But I can't speak before them. And then he comes in and he he says a lot of really good things. Again, read it. Read it for yourself. We're going too fast over all of this. But he says he says this thing in chapter thirty three that is just mind blowing. And I wonder if you've ever noticed it uh, before. He says in chapter thirty three verse twenty three. He says. And if there be for him an angel, no, a mediator, one of the thousand to declare to man what is right for him, and he is merciful to him and says, deliver him from going down into the pit. I have found a ransom. Let his flesh become fresh with youth. Let him return to his days of vigor. Then man prays to God and he accepts him. He sees his face with a shout of joy, and he restores to man his righteousness. Listen, it's a little cryptic. A lot of times, like in the Old Testament, you get these little pieces, this like view of the gospel that is like through one of those just hazy pieces of glass. You, don't, you can't quite make it out, but you can see the figure. You can see that there's some essence to it. What he's saying here is, what, what if, what if we had a mediator? What if Job, what if you had a restorer, one that could come and redeem you? And what he's trying to do as we're circling back around is remind is, is remind Job that in chapter 19, he said almost the exact same thing. If you want to go there, this is like the essence, and this is where we're going to land this morning. So if you're, if you're looking for it, join me in verse 23 of chapter 19. Job says this, oh, that my words were written, oh, that they were inscribed in a book. (laughs) Oh, that they were written and inscribed in a book. They're they're here for us this morning, thousands of years later. Oh, that they were written down. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead, they were engraved in in the rock forever. Pay attention to this. For I know, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last, He will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, my heart faints within me. So what we have here is Elihu saying, what if we had a mediator, and Job is like, man, I was just talking about that guy. I know that my Redeemer lives. That's what Job is saying. I know that he's going to come. I know that not only is he going to come, he's going to stand on this earth. This one. Not some like hypothetical one. He says, my redeemer lives and he's coming here with me. And what else does he say? He says, I shall see him. I shall see him for myself. My eyes shall behold him. This is the essence of the gospel, beloved. Job is not only proclaiming uh his, his uh, misery, he's not just staying in the midst of it, he's proclaiming faith in something. Thousands of years ago, I want you to think about this. Your spiritual lineage, your spiritual lineage, your spiritual fatherhood goes back and 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 back, and back, and back through men and women who have believed this same thing. Job was believing in a redeemer thousands of years before it happened it's amazing it's amazing he believes in the same one that we know is coming that has come that will come he's proclaiming that he will see it don't don't get lost in the midst of this despite job's suffering loss and misery despite his pride his egocentrism and his folly he is having faith in a Redeemer and in resurrection. For I know that my Redeemer lives. He will stand on the earth. And though my flesh will be destroyed, my eyes will see God. What does he have to be believing there? He has to be believing in resurrection. He has to believe in resurrection. There were people called Sadducees that we see time and time again in Acts as we're going through all of that that don't believe in a resurrection. And here Job is hundreds of years before them saying, I believe that I will stand with him on that day, the last day. He will be here on this earth. I will see him with my own eyes. I have my faith in him. My wife and I have been living through a lot of change, a lot of suffering the last few weeks. And my wife uh, saying, I feel like it's the devil's heyday is something that I was like, I feel it. I feel it. Do you feel it? Does it feel like the devil is having his way? Here's what we need to remember. Today is not the devil's heyday. It's not. If the devil had a heyday, you would have to point to before Jesus. I think personally, here's what I would say. You want to know the the devil's heyday? The devil's heyday was the uh, temptation of Judas. It was the deception of Judas to sell out the Savior, the Son of Man, to sell him out. But the devil's heyday was immediately, immediately followed by the justification of the sins of the saints forever when Jesus Christ died on the cross. The devil's heyday, his best day of all of creation, was right before Jesus paid for your sins and right before he burst forward from a tomb claiming that death has no hold on those who put their faith in Christ Jesus. That was the devil's heyday. What we are experiencing now, church, is Satan in his last moments clawing at the earth, trying to provide as much destruction as he possibly can, as he slides into the pit of hell. If you're having a crappy 2020, you just need to know this is not the devil's world. Jesus has already inaugurated his kingdom. It has come. It has finished on the cross. And it is enunciated with the fact that he is no longer in a tomb. He will throw Satan into the pit of hell He will never reign, not for one more second of one more day, period. We are living in the midst of a light and momentary affliction that does not in any way compare to the eternal weight of glory that we will experience for all of eternity. And it's all because Jesus was faithful and came and defeated Satan and showed us the way to eternal life. So I'm going to pray for us that we would believe that truth this morning and for forever. And then we're going to sing like we believe it. And then we're going to have a partner meeting. We're going to have a member gathering, a stakeholders gathering, uh, where we're going to um, ask you to take, uh, take use of the childcare that we're providing. We're going to provide a safe space for that. We're going to be taking temperatures, making sure that the people that are watching our kids, that they're keeping them safe. It's going to be just fine. We're going to have a member gathering where we're going to be uh, asked to remember in every way these truths. With me. God and Father, you are great and glorious. There is no one who can steal one second of one minute of your glory. No, uh, no Satan, no part of our prideful heart that can uh, uh, misremember the things that you have already spoken, that you have already written in stone. Father, we thank you for showing us the life of Job. We are reminded that uh, you restored Job in this life. You gave him children again, you uh, gave him back the the wealth that he had, you gave it to him twofold and he gave an inheritance. But Lord, even that was not the kind of restoration and redemption that Job needed. His faith saved him. He did not curse you. Lord, uh, allow us to follow in the footsteps of not just Job, but Jesus who endured the cross and did not curse you but instead cried out, my Father, my Father, why have you forsaken me? Lord, so that we might not be forsaken. Father, you love us so dearly. We ask you that in the midst of a hard year, hard month, hard week, hard days, Lord, that you would remind us of where our true hope is. Father, we ask you for all of these things in the resurrected Lord. We ask you for these things in Jesus' name.